0: On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap the 2021-22 Vanderbilt baseball season, especially after Vanderbilt's Game 7 loss in the regional against Oregon State on, in Corvallis. The Commodores went down in that one 7-6, to six and Oregon State moves on as they host Auburn in the Super Regionals this weekend. We give out our uh, final grades of the season or uh, they might surprise you uh, from uh, from from your perspective there as a, as the listener we also Uh, Look look towards next year with with this Vanderbilt baseball team and what next year it might look like. So full baseball recap, but we also got some interesting news on the football recruiting side with another commit in the class of 2023. And we also talk a little basketball with Noah Shelby, Lee Dort, and Colin Smith, also Malik Dia, and all the new fresh faces on campus this past week, especially with the media day going on a couple days ago. We've got baseball, football, and basketball talk coming right at you here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride.
1: At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys. Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood. And Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville. It's time to sit back, relax. Grab a coat and enjoy the show. The music city is our state. And West End is where we rock. You're listening to the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt Podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore nation. Anchor down. Shaut, We love it. We hate it. We're all just kind to make it in this crazy town.
0: Welcome back into the door report. It is episode one sixty five. It is wednesday, june eighth, twenty twenty two. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. They are family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them for your hardwood floors, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, just a short drive away from the beautiful new Geodis Park, the new home of Nashville SC, or you can give them a call at 615-356-0303, or look at them at their website, alakofinewoodfloors.com. Alako Finewood Floors serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since nineteen ninety-five. Will, we are back. It uh, you know, we're gonna I think we're what we're gonna do, we're gonna finally start consistently putting one out a week here because i don't know if there's going to be enough to talk about twice a week but i i think we i think we could do it i think we could do twice a week from from here on out
2: as i was muted because i didn't want to make the same mistake twice where i joined the broadcast to retweet it (laughs) and it it replayed like five seconds after what you actually said that was a beautiful start uh, learning from episode. our mistakes
0: here already already learning yeah. from our mistakes hey at I least like the it.
2: train's not going off uh to start out the live broadcast that's i think we were when we were 100 the train was batting 1000 <laughs> on coming through right when we started the broadcast but yeah we got we're going to be getting one out one a week now that we got you back local you have nowhere yep. that you can make an excuse to go uh so so we'll be putting them out a little bit more consistently but Yeah, once football season gets closer and inches closer, we're going to be going back to the two-a-week schedule. And then at some points during that football season, I think we're putting out three a week. So uh, we'll have a ton to talk about. But for the next month or two, you're going to be listening to a lot of opinions from me and Billy after this episode, which I know everybody loves.
0: No, <laughs> oh, they, love, they love the hot takes, Will. Football season just brings it out of us, and, and the closer we get to SEC media days, and, I mean, after SEC media days, that's when it all starts, it feels like, as a talking season begins. So we will uh, have all, all of our previews and, and scheduled previews and all that coming up during SEC media days. But right now, we've got a Vandy baseball season to recap, Will. We, uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Vanderbilt's uh, Game 7 regional loss to Oregon State, and uh, kind of the 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 over you know the overall review of the season and give the give the team a grade and, and go through all that kind of stuff and ask a few questions we'll also talk about some football recruiting notes and will the new basketball faces are on campus it was uh, it's pretty cool to see that on uh, on twitter the past past couple of days i think they had a media day yesterday and noah shelby colin smith and lee dort uh, they're on campus so I think for Vandy fans, just seeing them in, uh, in black and gold is, is, is pretty reassuring. So uh, we will talk about all of that. But before we get to all the breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and on Instagram at door.report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars in review on iTunes. All right, it's now time for breaking news.
1: No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors, craftsmanship you can stand on.
0: All right, Will, let's, uh, let's start. From up in Corvallis, we are not in Corvallis. We're in Nashville. We did not go to Corvallis, but uh, Vanderbilt Thank went goodness. up to Corvallis. And well, I'll say this: um, after they lost to San Diego, um, I didn't really, you know, have m- many expectations for this team at the rest of the regional. Now they were playing New Mexico State, a beat up New Mexico State team, and then a beat up San Diego team on Saturday, but. Uh, you know, they put up, what, 40, almost 40 runs in one day, and then they they beat Oregon State 8-1, to so it felt like, okay, maybe this team can get out of this regional alive, but here comes the big bad Oregon State in in Game 7, the final game of the regional, and they uh, they kind of show Vanderbilt who's boss and who's the better team. Now, it was a really good game, Well, and I, I know uh, you were live-tweeting it, I'd love to see that, um, but you know, I mean, well, they showed fight, but in the end, I think we all expected this to happen. You know, we it, there weren't many people that expected Vanderbilt to get out of this regional.
2: Yeah, once you get knocked into that loser's bracket, which if you go back into episode 164, Billy, it's, it's uh, pretty great to listen to our evaluation where we talked about the regional and then both of us said, but if they're not careful, this San Diego state is more than capable, I said, of eliminating. And then I corrected myself and I said not of eliminating but beating and that ended up actually being a lot more correct than I even anticipated or meant for it to be but yeah you saw the you saw the flip you'd been talking about Billy
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: think it was even flipped in the game that they lost I think in that final game against Oregon State losing 7 to 6 that fl- it felt like the old teams it felt like they had the energy and the belief that no matter, Mm -hmm. even when they were down at the end, maybe not in that ninth inning, you felt the tide kind of turn with that home run from Oregon State that I believe put them into the lead there late in that game. But you felt the energy. The bats obviously came alive. 21 runs against New Mexico State. Yeah, whatever. But that San Diego team shut them down. And granted, they were pitching their stud of their staff at that time, their main weekend. The last two innings. That was brutal. Yeah. That, yeah, that
0: was, that was kind of the, the salt in the wound there. I mean, at that point, you felt like this that game was over. You know, I mean, I was, you know, watching with my brothers. They were like, why can't we do that? And I'm like, listen, Oregon State can do it. I mean, they, they have the power to do it, and they did it. So they also had I mean,
2: one less game to play, which makes getting knocked into that loser's bracket so a little brutal. bit easier because you yeah. said that they showed who the superior team is. And I don't think I necessarily agree that Oregon State showed that they were superior. I think if Vanderbilt, just played them in a seven game series, I think that thing would go down to seven games. And Mm -hmm. I think that you would probably be put in the same spot with about a one run difference there in that game seven, you know, all hands on deck. So Vanderbilt is up there with a team like Oregon State this season with the talent level of probably the second most likely team still to win a national championship in Oregon State. And Vanderbilt was right there with them which makes this season all the more confusing and all the more frustrating and all the more making you want to pull your hair out. Just like uh, that's a very unfamiliar feeling. That was uh, (laughs) tongue-in-cheek sarcasm for Vanderbilt fans. And baseball was supposed to be our safe haven. So that has been a little bit frustrating this year that you've seen not only football, not only basketball have their usual issues that cause me to age uh, at five times the normal rate of any other (laughs) sports fan. And baseball, I can take a deep breath. And in Corbin, we trust, I think, is what what we like to say. And that's awesome to actually be able to say that. And this is the first season that I followed, said those words, and then still at the end of the season, I sat there and said, maybe not, maybe maybe there were some criticisms that were deserved that we didn't give at the time or throughout the season that we didn't give just because it was Tim Corbin. And if it was any other coach replace him with any other name, Uh, that's not the all-time winningest coach at Vanderbilt in that sport, then you're probably going to be sitting there being critical of things like that uh, decision to bunt there uh, earlier in that Corvallis Regional, which is still one that is a head-scratcher to me. I've ran through every scenario, and nothing that I can think of in my head tells you that that bunt with Vaz in the San Diego game was was a logical decision. And at the time, I tweeted that and then said, but... I'm going to be I'm just going to take a step back because, you know, Corbin's had a little more success on the baseball diamond being a manager and coach than I have not a manager, I guess, in college. They don't do that the same. (laughs) But, uh, man, there were things like that. There's the hitting coach situation, which I know that you want to get into. And it's been the talk of a lot of Vanderbilt baseball Mm -hmm. fans. Uh, So there's a lot to get into with this team. There's a lot of talent returning. And you got to keep in mind they dealt with injuries.
0: And yes, that's something
2: did. that I don't think got talked about enough just because you have five star freshmen and these all touted freshmen coming in that's a little bit different than you have in basketball or football doesn't mean injuries of your expected stud players including Hiboki uh which I'm yeah. probably you know Loboki. L- 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 Jesus yeah, Christ right. all right and then Michael, late, Billy.
0: Michael Michael Doolan also was was a okay. guy out of the pen that got hurt and well I'm I'm with you I mean um, uh, let's face it, this was not uh, this was not one of the better Corbin teams. You know, I've heard this was this could be one of the worst Corbin teams, um, you know, since at least 2010. I mean, I think that could be argued, um, you know, but the fact that they went toe to toe with Oregon State, the number three seed in the country, you know, on a down year. That's not too bad. You know, that's That's not too bad for a down year. That's like, you know, Duke basketball winning you're losing in the round of 32, you know, I mean, it, but at the same time, there are issues. There were issues that, that, you know, kind of reared their ugly head this year. And you got to believe that Tim Corbin and this staff is going to have to re-evaluate the way they do things and their methods, their recruiting methods, their evaluation methods, their the way they coach their players. Now, you know, I, I don't pretend to know what all is. Before going on. I and before
2: that, you go into forget to say this, is a, about an hour ago I was going through a thread on this actual thing about transfers and baseball players. And Arya Gerson has a great thread on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's like eight tweets long. So I don't know yep. if you had that written down, but I was afraid yeah. I was gonna forget. So I wanted to no, plug that does. in there. Check her uh, Twitter out. Uh, She has a long list of not just culture fit reasons, but all sorts of reasons within there.
0: Yeah, she she had a really good uh, thread tweet. I'm going to actually try to pull that up uh, because there were some really good points in it. Um, But a guy that has joined this podcast several times, uh, Rhett Wiseman, actually quote tweeted uh, that thread. And he had uh, he had some pretty strong things to say about it. Uh, I'm going to try to pull this up. Uh, But, well, by the way, as as we kind of get to that, um, let's get to our grades. Let's get to. Uh, the Vanderbilt baseball season grades uh, as I try to find this. Um, You know, I'll start. Well, it took me a while to kind of, you know, figure out what I wanted to do here. I was flirting. I was flirting with a C minus. I was, I was toying with the idea of giving this team a C minus. I couldn't give them a C. I gave them a B. I gave them a B minus. And and so I, I, I went with, um, well, not C, not C minus. I was toying with the idea of anywhere in the C range. I meant to say C plus. Sorry, my, not, not, not a, not a math major will uh, and, it, and it's late. So um, <laughs> but yeah. will, at, the same, at, the, at the same time, I ended up giving this team a B minus. Um, so, and here's why you, you mentioned it earlier. It's a young team. They, they, they were overall a young team They had older players like Dom Keegan, Tate Colwick. Uh, but other than those two guys, they're, they're you know, most of this team was, was young and inexperienced. Now there, there was a good chunk of these guys that had played in Omaha and had some good experience, but, overall, as a whole, this team was a young team. Pitching staff was very young and inexperienced and not as much depth as, as we've seen. And, and the pitching, I think, was a difference in that Oregon State game. Number two, Will, the injury issues. I mean, Sam Laboki, Nick Maldonado was banged up early on. Tate Colwick was dealing with injuries all throughout the season. Uh, so that's kind of my second point. The third point, I put them in the B range because of what I said earlier. I mean, they took the number three overall seed to the final pitch of game seven of the regional. Not too bad for a down year. So, you know, because of the way they they fought and finished, I ended up giving a B minus. I, I Like I said, I, I was so close to, to putting it in the C range. C plus, C, C minus. I ended up just barely giving them a B minus. Uh, could have been a C, but that, that's what I ended up giving them. Um, and I know there, there's, I'd love to kind of poll Vandy fans. Maybe we'll do that later tonight and kind of see what their grades are. Um, definitely probably could have been lower, uh, but I'd ended up going with a B minus uh, for this year's Vandy team. So th- that's where I'm at, Will.
2: Yeah, I really thought you were going to go the other direction when you said you were toying with a C minus. I, I thought no way that you were going to go up to a B.
0: So that, that's, C plus. I don't yeah, know that's I
2: mean. pretty, but that's still pretty surprising to me that, that you evaluated them in the B range. So I was a little bit harsher. So I, I was sitting, you said you were sitting at a C minus and that's where you were teetering at. And I thought you were going to say the exact same thing that, that I had, which was, I was actually teetering in the D range. So I had them pr- initially, if the season ended, they lost to San Diego, they beat New Mexico state and then they lose again in that next game versus taking Oregon state to game seven of the Corvallis regional, Mm
0: -hmm. then
2: I would have had them down at a D level. I gave them a C minus. And I don't think that there's any way to put them above that. I think if anything, that's pretty lenient and you gotta, you gotta hear me out of my reasoning here. Okay. Because all the reasons that you gave were correct. The, the young team, the injuries we've given those precursors and caveats when we evaluated the football season and when we evaluated the basketball season, the number one thing we said is you grade based on the expectations going into the season. You can't grade based on where they ended up because if basketball would have ended up this season in the round of 32, they would have gotten an Ooh. A oh, or yeah. an A+. plus. That, but that's very, very different. And you even bumped them up to a B saying they took yeah. them to that game seven. But the expectations going into the year are you make it to Omaha. And that was the expectation this season. The, the gambling odds played that out prior to the season. And this was the first losing season for Tim Corbin. We've said this stat many, many a time in the SEC since 2020 or 2009. And then the stat that I like is since that 2009 season with that losing SEC record, they have only had a season that has ended this quickly. So being eliminated in the regional mm-hmm. two times. Can you name those years, Billy? I've got a trivia question live for okay, you. Can this anyone is good. out there name those years? Or can you name those years, Billy?
0: I don't know if I can name the year, but I can name the team that beat them out. One of them was NC State. I want to say it was 20 was it 2012? 2012 NC State. Was that one of them?
2: That's one of okay. them. It's 2012. Okay. I don't have the opponents written down, but okay. I have the years. Okay. 2012. Okay, 2012.
0: There's another one, right?
2: Yep, there's one okay.
0: other can you give me a hint? Is it, is it uh, more, is it later than that than 2020? I've given you
2: enough of a hint, Billy. It's, it's 2010 through 2021. Oh,
0: okay. I can't give you too many more hints. Okay. Okay, 2010 through 2021. Since
2: the 2009 season. Oh, 2016, been, 2016. Yep, yeah, 2012 yeah. and 2016. So those are. Yeah. It's only happened twice. They've at least yeah. made it to a super regional and 2016, in every other season outside 20, of obviously the COVID
0: year. But 2016 with the Donnie Everett year. I mean, that's you know mm-hmm. that was a different they, different year, but that was a down year though. Overall, that yes. that was a down year. Um, but that's incredible. I mean, that really is. That's that's insane to think about. You know, because of the standard that, that Corbin and this coaching staff has set for fans, you know, and, and, and this was, let's face it, was a weird season. It was a weird season because of that. And now, exactly
2: you know, the other the other part of why the C minus. Sorry, I'm going to forget it, my. Here points. we go. You, we you go. make me forget what I have written down to say. But, uh, <laughs> but for the C minus, the other reason is exactly the reason that you gave that you said you were teetering on a C-minus and bumped them up, which is this team did take the second most favored team to end up winning the NCAA Baseball Championship this year to one run to the very end. So with that amount of talent, you're saying that this should have been the first team since 2009 to have a losing record in the SEC. All of their stats from last season, the guys that returned outside of three guys, I think Enrique Bradfield, Spencer Jones, and maybe Dom Keegan, Uh, By the end of the year, Braden has a has a better graphic put out on his Twitter that that we tweeted out ready to roll Braden McPherson, give him a follow a little shout out there for him. Uh, But the hitting, it just made no sense the pitching if it was just based on that. Obviously, we didn't get into the Oregon State game, but Riley just struggled the game was over. In yeah. the 1.2 innings that he pitched, and the five outs that he was able to gain, he gave up five earned runs. Yeah. Gave up what, six what did you sets. think
0: about? What did you think about Corbin keeping him in the game? Uh, he kept him. In, he kept. I he don't kept know what. He kept him in the game in the fourth inning with the bases loaded and two outs, and I think he gave up two runs there. Um, and then you had Grayson Moore, a guy out of the pen who was struggling, kept him in, and then Oregon State took the lead seven to six. So there's some things like that throughout the season too, Will. Where I'm not saying Corbin, you know, I think. There, there was a different Corbin we saw this year. There was a little bit of a different. Was there coaching something style.
2: going on with Little? Why he was taken out of the game? I know he'd given up a lot of contact, and they were he was about to go through the lineup again. I know all of that, but he had only gave up two hits, and I was one surprised. of and the only earned run he gave up the entire three innings he pitched was on the against the opening batter, I and that love, doesn't, I would that love doesn't ask, make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, I would love to ask the coaching staff, or, or kind of be in, be a fly in the wall of their discussions there, and say, hey. You know, he pitched three innings, you know, almost four, you know, what, what happened there? You and know, then I mean, he, obviously he
2: after he was getting, you know, struggling, they were willing to stick with Riley past where fans would probably want to see them stick mm-hmm. with him at that point. I know there was just the entire fan base was just urging him yeah. to take out at least on twitter was just urging yeah. corbin to, ta- yeah. to 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 then, go to the mound and call him out know, and it just
0: didn't and, happen. Yeah, and then they take him out and more, you know, he gives up a bomb. So, I think the bottom line with this with a lot of this team was there wasn't as much pitching depth as they've had in the past. I mean, the pitching depth, uh, Oregon State, I mean, it it tells you that in game set of the regional. They brought in their ace who was ready to go and ready to pitch in that moment, the last two innings, and he he put the game on ice. So I think that was a big difference w- with this team this year. Will, the pitching depth, and I mean, also the hitting. It, it was, it was, it was overall. You know, you, you didn't see the same type of uh, aggressiveness in, in, in you know, empty counts, OO counts, where they take a strike, they take another strike, and then all of a sudden they're down in the count. I would so. just
2: sum it up in one word with inconsistency, because at times this team looked like a national championship level team, and they had the mm-hmm. talent to to make a run at the national championship, and they never put it together for more than a week or two or maybe three in that stretch that they had winning four or five series at one point in the season, they never Mm -hmm. put it together for, for longer than that. And then they would go in that, in the wave and the ebb and the flow, Derek Mason uh, (laughs) cycles, (laughs) cycles baby, but you're not Uh, supposed to have those throughout a baseball season. And so that's the frustrating part is Corbin teams in the past have been known to never waver, be very steady. You always felt coming off a loss that it was, or a, even a win, you it wasn't going to a snowball, fault, felt like it, that nothing would snowball, that yeah. there was no snowball, that it was an individualized game. And it felt like there was a lot of momentum carrying over from game to game, which can be a good thing when you're riding high, cough, cough Tennessee, but it's a really bad thing when you are a purely momentum based team. And that is your culture. That's great. When things are cooking and things are going great, then it's going to be fantastic. But when things are on the downward slope, it tends to snowball a lot quicker that snowball picks up steam a lot quicker down the hill than it does up the hill. So that's cool. what you saw from, from from this team throughout the whole season is the moment that one bad thing was ha- was happening, the energy in the dugout dropped, everything dropped. But then the moment that, a couple hits were strung together and a couple home runs and they would take a lead. You saw guys jumping over the the fence on the bullpen and having to be yeah. warned by the umpire with energy. So you need to see that regardless. And, and th- we just didn't see that throughout this year. So hopefully going into next year with a lot of guys returning, coming off injuries and we'll get into that, but, but I I don't really have a have a ton on returning guys. I'm sure there's going to be a lot up in there. There always is yeah. with whether guys are going to be going pro or coming in and and everything like that.
0: It it'll also be interesting, Will, to see if Corbin dips his toes at all into the transfer portal. You know, because with the with the lay the land in college baseball, not just college baseball, but college sports as a whole, it feels like as a coach you're going to have to you're, you're going to you're gonna have to pay the piper there because, I mean, everybody else is doing it and you're going to have to keep up somehow. Uh, but, Will, I found Aria, Gar- Aria Gerson's thread. It's, it's three little tweets here. I'm going to read them off and get your reaction to them. Number one, she said, well, she asked the question at first. She said, uh, why do uh Vanderbilt why does Vanderbilt not take many transfers there are you know a few reasons she said number one corbin is all about culture and buy in it's easier to tell if someone has that as a high school recruit and easier to develop the attention to detail he requires as it's a different style from many other college college coaches so culture and buy in i'm 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 with her on that i agree with her on that number I've, two well you're dealing you with
2: there? yeah you're i was i was changing it over to abc yeah i heard i heard that i was paying attention just (laughs) because i'm not looking at you billy i'm trying to keep
0: you on your toes Well, come
2: on but i agree with that and basically what that first tweet says is fine but what you were talking about is corbin's culture is good to deal with kids but it does not translate when you're dealing with men and that's the difference when you're bringing in a 21 year old 22 year old is he's a lot more set in in what he's going to tolerate And and the amount of bullshit he's going to put up with and for lack of a better word the buy-in to a great culture is a lot of that is a lot of BS, a lot of buying into stuff that doesn't matter because in the end, just focusing on these goals and things to achieve that don't matter will get you where you want to go. And that's all that it is when Corbin is doing things like earning your Vanderbilt gear and they go out there and do all of that. That's great. When you're, when you're building that culture from day one, that that stuff matters. But when you're bringing in dudes from Rutgers and from Oregon or wherever the hell they're coming from, they probably don't have that same type of goal oriented culture and micro goal culture that Vanderbilt has, which I've never been in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Rhett would be the better guy for you to ask that question Mm -hmm. to as to, as to exactly what they do. But I would imagine it's similar to what I've seen in different coaching styles and obviously not the level of Vanderbilt but you have some coaches that are just focused on just the grind day to day. And then you have some coaches that are focused on the grind day to day that have individual goals to incentivize guys to look forward to that. And that's what Corbin has done such a good job of is and, and Nick Saban, all the great, all the great coaches that Mm -hmm. have done it so consistently and built these prestigious dynasties in college athletics is you bring in these guys that know that they are destined for the NFL or the, MLB or the NBA at 18 years old and you make them earn things and want to earn things that no one on the outside cares about when everyone on the outside is just constantly giving them this this ego boost is you go in that locker room and the goal set is completely different than what everyone else on the outside is looking for and the hierarchy is different and so that is the issue when you bring in transfers is you don't have any of that and if that's what he's built it on then I think it's going to be a pretty interesting process to see how he incorporates that on top of all the other issues that you it, face at yeah. Vanderbilt at academic eligibility
0: wise yeah you just mentioned that that was her number two point will she said this is an issue for many similar caliber schools at vanderbilt it's difficult for transfers to get admitted academically plus even if they get in sometimes they lose so many credits they don't qualify it's not worth it for those guys so uh, that's a great point by our and we know that will you know we, we've known that that fact we've seen that's it in every football. Sport. Yeah, you know, we've seen it in basketball. I don't think that's anything new or any surprising, anything surprising. But this one, number three, hit me, Will. She said, roster limits mean that in order to take transfers, you have to have spots available. Vanderbilt was over the limit this year. Plus, the six people redshirted. In order to take transfers, many coaches run people off. Vanderbilt doesn't like to do that because of the degree. And, you know, when, when that that is another thing, you know, I think we Clark Lee would like to have that developed. I don't know if he's developed that yet. Um, you know, obviously not. He, he's only in year two. Um, Stackhouse, I think, is a little bit different in, in that, you know, you see him take transfers. And, and uh, so, Will, I, I think this might be a, a deeper issue with academic eligibility and, and, and financial aid availability now for baseball. Is that changing? And in, in, in college baseball, I think it is. I think that I think the the uh, the scholarship availability is going to be increased from eleven point seven very soon, and so that advantage may no longer be there for Vanderbilt in the coming years. It's it's that that's another thing to watch with, with this. So I, I I agree with most of what you said, Will. There are I think smaller tidbits that that I might disagree with, but you want to get to Rhett here. Did you see what Rhett tweeted?
2: No, I did not. But the one thing I want to say on that is what I've been wanting to say on the whole transfer thing is the part that you hit on, which is the major thing. And I don't even think it's as simple as like you're laying out the tertiary problems to it, to the the academic issue, which is losing credits and eligibility. That's specific scenarios you can probably adjust if Vanderbilt was really willing to do it. The main issue is what you said right there, 11.7 scholarships, right? Do you know how damn expensive grad school is at Vanderbilt?
0: Not cheap. I mean,
2: you think undergrad's Not expensive? Cheap. My God, we got to look. The, it's it's usually typically double whatever undergrad is, and their undergrad tuition is forty fifty thousand dollars a year at least right now. Yeah. So it, I, that, I was I was I was looking that's into it. The well part left. is is other schools you can transfer into and their grad school they can find some way in max you're going to be paying out of pocket maybe 8 10k if any of these guys really pay too much out of pocket but at vandy it's going to be really hard to get around that as a private institution Mm -hmm. on top of of the rigors that are required to go to grad school at vanderbilt and the academic issues you run into you have the money problem that you don't have that that hold up in basketball or in baseball or in football. Sorry. Yeah. A little, little scatterbrain, but basketball and football, you go to Vanderbilt and transfer in as a grad, you're getting handed a free grad school. And that's a selling point. That's not the case at yep. Vanderbilt. And that's yep. not just grads. Obviously, this is transfers in as normal as undergraduates, but same idea. You're not being handed a ticket to a free degree at Vanderbilt. That's not how it works. Now, all of, a lot of them can get academic aid, but here's the kicker. And the main thing is I worked as a graduate assistant in the bursar office of Tennessee tech university. So I dealt with mm-hmm. all the student accounts and everything. The main thing is when you transfer into a school and this only applies to baseball, but, and, and not football or basketball, because obviously they get full scholarships. And yeah. when you transfer in, you are not eligible for the same type of grants and aid that you are eligible for as an incoming freshman straight out of high school. You're just not, you're not eligible for the same types of loans. You're not eligible for the same types of, of everything. So that's the other main issue is you're not getting the financial aid, which is how Vanderbilt or or Vanderbilt oppositions and opponents will say they have an advantage is they have more scholarships because they're a private university and can give out private aid as they need to. But the flip side of that, is exactly what I'm saying it, it, is it's more expensive. So when guys that you're not going to be able to hit up the transfer market, because a lot of that aid is not available to these transfers. So now it's even more so expensive and even more difficult to transfer into Vanderbilt on top of the things that you were talking about with the actual academics. So money yeah. and all that, it makes sense why Tim Corbin would not pursue the transfer route. On top of recruiting a level of player that's just not there yeah, at ninety nine point nine 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 percent of programs across all sports,
0: and I'll tell you this, Will. I've heard a lot around the college baseball circles that eleven point seven scholarship limit is gonna be is gonna be bumped up, and it might be by a lot. So that Vanderbilt, you know, that but for Vanderbilt, you know, that that's no longer really the advantage that they have over over schools. But I Re- still Re-
2: don't. I still think all of that was overblown. I agree. I, I, I agree. St- I agree. You just look at the cost to attend. You can get $40,000 of of aid at Vanderbilt annually, and it still doesn't cover and you're still paying out of pocket compared to that would pay for two years of -of out-of-state tuition at Mississippi State. So that's the part that, that I think people just don't think about is, yeah, these guys are getting aid. The school still costs the same. And I would really like to, to go into this a little more, but I know we have more things we want to head on.
0: Yeah, I want to get to Rhett Wiseman, what he quote tweeted. Uh, he, he said in response to Aria's tweets, he quote tweeted and said, the status quo has been flipped on its head. It's sheer madness in college athletics with the transfer portal. Vandy will go into the transfer portal. No ifs or buts about it. It's a necessity for all teams. Imagine an MLB team not taking part in free agency. Same idea, period. So, Rhett Red had a pretty good point there, and and it's not like Corbin, you know, he got he's he's gotten transfers before. The idea that Corbin will has never dipped into the the transfer market at all is wrong. So, like I like I said, I agree with Rhett. He's going to have to this year, you know, to not not to the extent of you know a Tennessee or a Mississippi State or an LSU does because they they kind of like to feed off of that. But for Vanderbilt, they're going to take a few. Uh, they might, maybe three, four, five. I'm, I don't, I'm not putting a number out there, but they're going to enter the transfer portal. Anybody that says they're not at all—that's BS. But they're going to be very selective about it because they have to be. They have. It's Vanderbilt University because they have to. So yes, well, I agree with you. We, uh, we will definitely continue this. We'll have plenty of dog days to uh, to continue this conversation, uh, like we want to. I mean, there's going to be an episode down the road where it ends up being three hours, and we don't even know about it because we're just rambling about everything. So, that's very uh, true. But that's the baseball recap for, for what it's worth. Uh, Will, we forgot to get to the Drew Jones question. Um, do you want to get to it? Uh, we, we can I don't have anything to add.
2: I know you probably have looked into it. Uh, let's I, say, I don't have let's, anything let's, let's, let's I don't think it. he's going to be here. Just what I've read, I'd be shocked. But who knows?
0: Let's save it because I, I have a fun answer for it. I'll, I'll save that for another episode. Well, let's get to football. There, there, uh, there was a football commit. Uh, his name is Kelvin McLeod. Not a wide
2: receiver. Recruited yeah, as a linebacker. he, he I, wanna...
0: I, I, I know. I, well, I'm getting there. Oh. Will. I'm, I'm getting there. I, I listed him on the screen as a wide receiver, but he is going. You're, you're on top of your stuff today. Well, I like it. He is going to be a linebacker at Vanderbilt, and this guy is six foot three. About 200 pounds, and you start seeing some 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 shades of Zach Cunningham there, a guy that's long and obviously is going to grow into his body. Um, so you're you're seeing the trend of height and length and and rangeiness uh, on this football team. And not saying it's going to make a whole lot of an impact next season, but year two, year three, year four, you're going to see a pretty damn tall Vanderbilt football team and a very long. Vanderbilt football team. So it's, it's going to be interesting, Will, uh, to see how a lot of these recruits pan out and the position, you know, you might see a lot of these, these kind of positions, position switches. Um, But he's a guy from Mobile, Alabama, Clarkley, dipping into Alabama, Georgia, uh, North Carolina. You see him recruiting kind of the, you know, the radius around Nashville that he talked about his offer. sheet isn't super impressive. Uh, Had other offers from Navy FAU and Arkansas state. Um, But Will, I mean, you got another commit in the 2023 class. All of a sudden, I saw his 44th overall, starting to kind of inch, inch forward. Of course, that's going to fluctuate a lot uh, because you know, I think, I think, uh, yeah, the 2022 ratings are still. I think those might be still finishing up a little bit. But Kelvin McBride, uh, what, what do you think about this kid? And, and you know, I know you might have a couple other uh, football recruiting notes here to get into, Will.
2: Yeah, most of his highlight tape was at the receiver position. And yeah. I read, uh, I think it was Robbie, he's always on top of it, put Shoot. out that they were actually recruiting him as a linebacker, which makes sense when you look at his size right now. He's 6'3", 210. He also plays basketball, which I always like. I think it said in his junior year, uh, he led his school to a 27-6 and 6 record in basketball, athletic guy. But obviously, he's going to have to put on weight. I mean, he's a project. Mm-hmm. He's another one of these projects. He has the speed of of kind of a mid-tier, lower-tier speed receiver. But at linebacker, he's going to be flying. So he's another one yeah. of those long-rangey athletes, Ethan Crisp, they seem to be focusing on. But the main thing this class is currently missing is beef on either side of the ball yep. and mainly on that defensive line. And that's what they have visiting. I don't know if you've seen anything about that, Billy, of the guys that will be visiting saw this saw a guy who visited this past weekend. And who visited I... this past weekend,
0: I saw a guy that I, I saw a guy that's like 6'4", 320 pounds that they were looking at. I forget, I'm forgetting his name, but it's you're right, Will. I've talked about that with a lot of people in this class, and you know, with people that follow Vanderbilt football, that's that's a thing to watch. You've got to get beefier. You've you you just have to offensive line, D line, and you know, I don't think they really did that in the 2022 class. They definitely got longer and more athletic, but. You're really gonna. Ha- that's what makes a difference, Will, and and that's what Franklin did. He he got he he picked out certain guys like a guy like Adam Butler, where he wasn't huge, but he really put on a lot of weight and developed into a a I mean a pretty damn good size, you know. I'm and, and very so, glad
2: you brought up that name,
0: Adam Butler. Adam but you like you like that you like that name, Will?
2: Yeah, well I like that <laughs> Adam Butler name, and because of who I was going to compare him to. Uh, or, or compare one of the guys that was on campus this past weekend, Jaron Woods, um, oh. out of Texas, 6'4". He's listed at so He looks a little bit bigger than that. I think that's an older weight. Uh, or maybe he is just 265. But Texas football, defensive lineman. Uh, you look at the guys or the other schools that have offered him. You have Auburn, Baylor, California, Houston. They're listed at the top. Uh, and then you can run through the other schools. Texas has offered him. Texas Tech, TCU. And that is the type of guy that they need desperately drake yeah. carlson is another one that was there that i was actually I was had a crystal ball him. put to warmer he's 6'4 260 out of father ryan you know what? high he's school another yep. big body yep yep father that's ryan, I, hi- well I, uh,
0: the, the biggest thing the most important thing about this class they could have a guy from your high school mount juliet and they could have a guy from my high school father ryan that's pretty damn cool and drake carlson is a guy that i've seen live he, he's he's the real deal He's a kid that's six two, six three. Obviously, he can get a lot bigger, and he's going to get bigger. But it, it's it's really going to be. I, obviously, it's all in the development. But Drake Carlson is another local guy that if Clark Lee is able to get, that's another I think little message sent that the mid state. That's that's Clark's goal. I mean, if you know, you got to try to hammer down that mid state. So I love the fact that you mentioned Drake Carlson. I mean Ethan Crisp and Drake Carlson, those are two guys you could see starting on the defense in a few years for Vanderbilt out of them right out of the mid-state. And and I mean for, for Vanderbilt, that's that's Franklin was able to do that. If Clark, if Clark is able to do that down the road, you know, it, it'll be really interesting, Will. Well, that's so. the
2: main thing when you look at Vanderbilt, that they've produced high-level first round picks at or second round picks or high round picks at pretty much every single position. But the main thing that their main position group that you look at and say why have they struggled so badly as defensive line I mean even the best guys that they have have been more edge rushers outside linebacker guys that have actually found spots in the NFL you look at Andre Mintz I think Steven Weatherly was on the Vikings there for a little bit they've had mm-hmm. Kyle Westman was was bouncing yeah. around for a little bit but you look at those those guys, and that's the best. Every other position, you have an Andre Howell or a DJ Moore or Earl Bennett or Jordan Matthews or Jay Cutler or Chris Williams, and you can run through the list, and, and there's a name. There's one guy you can say, ah, that's a star that was developed there. But even four stars that Franklin in just, just never really developed how you wanted them to. They were probably the best defensive linemen as a group that Vanderbilt has had, but that's really where they've always struggled is at the end of the game, at the end of the day, teams have always been able to just line up and run the ball down Vanderbilt's throat because there's not depth of size and athletes at the defensive line position. And linebackers, as many good ones as they have, and there is a long, long list mm-hmm. of guys that have, that have gone on to the next levels Zach like Cunningham on the Titans, Chris Marv, Jonathan Goff, so why in the world can they not that find guys like that consistently on the defensive line? I mean, we've pretty much, I just named off every significant defensive lineman name, really. I mean, there's a few yeah. more. You got Dario Dangbo most recently, mm-hmm. Dario Dangbo, but they're kind of outliers. You can pick them out yeah. when you're able to pick out the guys at an entire position of three to four guys. That's where they need to be focused on. They had a lot of people transfer out, Marcus Bradley, Tank Sujik. Guys that we thought were going to fill that role, they're gone now. That's a four-star and a high three-star. Boom, gone. Uh, One of the highest-rated players ever in the history of your program and Marcus Bradley at that position that you've been searching for a star. And granted, there were probably some issues, culture fit, whatever it is, but that has to be the focus. And that's Mm -hmm. who they had visit this most recent weekend because you look at their current commits. Granted, those guys usually come off the board a little bit quicker in the skill positions, but they had those guys visit. They have none right now in the current class on either side of the ball offensive or defensive lines. So that'll be a focus and, and we'll be staying updated over the summer on that.
0: Yeah. And well, and one more thing before we get to a little bit of basketball, it's going to be really interesting to see how many of these young guys see playing time early, you know, right off the top of my head, I see Trudel Berry seeing a lot of time early. You know, I see Davion Walker, the receiver seeing some time early, heck, maybe even Darren Agu on the D line because point blank, they're going to have to. I mean, these guys are going to have to play and that's another thing to watch. How early do we see these guys? So, um, it'll be fun. Will. that that's another thing we're going to be tracking. I'd love to do kind of a a freshman uh, a freshman ranking, like our own freshman uh rankings coming in. Maybe that's another project we could do. Um but Will, lastly here, I know you got to get to your Celtics. Is the game started yet?
2: Yes, it has. Celtics are up okay. 10 to 4 right now. Celtics, so Celtics up I'm keeping up 10 an to eye 4. on it. That's why I'm like Maybe, spacing out a little bit yeah. if, you, if you Maybe
0: noticed. uh should we just keep recording so you can uh, have that good mojo going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um well, let's uh let's talk a little basketball ball before we get out of here. um, The new hoops faces are on campus. Noah Shelby, uh, Lee Dort, Colin Smith, Malik Dia. um, You know, I'm forgetting the other guys' names. Of course, they got a couple other freshmen um, that came in. Of course, the transfer, Ezra Mignon, uh, came in. Paul Lewis, of course, is another guy. A lot of new faces. Feels like we're saying that every year uh, for, for, uh, for Stackhouse. And you're not saying it's a bad thing. You know, but that's kind of his style, where he he's he's going to dip into the transfer market. He's going to have to dip into the transfer. Well, is market it is it his you?
2: style? Do we really know what his style is? I
0: mean, I don't know if you know if we know what his style he is. Went, he but... went through
2: a ground basement all the way down underneath the basement rebuild. So we don't even know he's he's right now. We're seeing his first. This is really his first team. Like this is what we are about to see this upcoming year is is what I would describe as like team one. For Stackhouse, like this is really the first time he's not in some chaotic bubble of COVID first off, which has been basically almost his entire tenure of being a head coach has been within COVID and the weird restrictions that you have on all sorts of recruiting and traveling and AAU circuits, which is where his connections are. That's why when you're going to see why the hell they hired Jerry Stackhouse from the NBA G League is the amount of connections I believe that he has. Around that re- the recruiting circuit and within into the next level, so we're just now seeing what it's going to look like having Jerry Stackhouse as a head coach, and so that's the that's the part of this season and why I've been so lenient evaluating him. That will end, and it was great to see all of them. Uh, and And the one guy I wanted to point out is Trey Thomas. Is Trey Thomas? Uh, he had an, he had a couple of earrings, and he went from the "Where's my hug at looking guy. That's that's what he started out looking at. Dude, dude looked like he was ready to pull up and, he, he and drop looked, a lot looks, of threes he this bit, season. I like. Looks
0: it. a little bit bigger too. But a little, hey, little, 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 those, those biceps look a little bit. Hey, bigger as on Trey much Thomas. as
2: I was off the Trey Thomas train last season, I can Are tell you already back
0: on the t- Trey Thomas. No, no, no. Train? I've
2: been off the Trey Thomas train the entirety because I thought it needed time to develop and put on size and not be. I, I am. This is the year I wanted Trey Thomas put into the rotation. He will fit.
0: It's gonna be this fun team. to see him with Noah Shelby, another you know he kind of guy that
2: this team like. That's how I feel is he will accent the team way better than what he brought to the floor the last couple of years. So that and this season honest, is a big season. For
0: he's him. not gonna have to play a whole lot of defense either. And He's not gonna have to play and as, as many minutes as he. He's gonna have some rim protectors back there with big old Liam Robbins and, and Lee Dort, uh, the Liam and Lee. How about that? The the mm. Liam and Lee show. So well, I wanna ask a question here before we get out. Of here though uh early early expectations uh for 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 the young guys let's not go season but noah shelby lee dort colin smith for me noah shelby i'm really interested to see what, what his role is because he's a guy that can light up the scoreboard he's a guy that can put a few threes on you in an instant especially from watching his highlights colin smith another guy is he kind of the next second coming of Dylan DeSue I think he is better is better is more uh, it looks better at this age than Dylan Dessou did. I mean, I, he, his body type.
2: Smith is my guy of this class. That is that is the one. That's the one I have the highest expectations to make an immediate impact. And usually, you look at guards and and say that they're going to make the quickest impact and the transitions usually easier, but usually not point guards. And so I think Noah Shelby is going to play off the ball a little bit more than he's used to. And I think that may take him some time to get used to. And then Lee Dort has a lot of depth in front of him, uh, a, a little bit more depth at that position. Need and a little bit more time to develop. So Colin Smith fits into what they need right now. And I can I've watched a lot pretty much everything that these guys have out. And Colin Smith is, he's not Dylan DeSue. He's a hes a guard. Like, he is a much more, he's a small forward, NBA-style small forward. Uh, I would describe Dylan DeSue as a four. And, and Colin Smith is definitely a three. So he will be kind of playing the role of, I think that, I think he could be a guy that could be close to leading the team in scoring as a freshman. And he has the potential to do that. And I could be completely wrong, and he could not be ready. But everything that I've seen, physically, he's the most ready. Size-wise, full game that is going to not have the holes in the game. That's that's what gets exposed at the next level. It's not what you have that you do so well, and that Noah Shelby's a good shooter, and Lee Dort crashes to the basket, rolls really well, and is an athlete. But when you play at the next level in college is – it exposes the one or two or three things that you don't do well is Trey Thomas can't play on the ball defense without fouling and he gets bullied that gets exposed immediately or Liam Robbins is a little slow-footed exposed immediately QMB the same way a little can't get off the ground that's exposed and it's targeted that doesn't happen in college because you're just or high school because you're just better than everyone else yep and so i think Colin Smith when you watch him play is the most complete game without holes i, I don't think that he does one thing better than anyone else in the class, or or even on the team, but I think everything combined and a few of the moves and I th- that he has and the athleticism oh, yeah. he has, he's going to be a guy that I think can step out there and average you know double digit points yeah. off the rip as a freshman.
0: I, I agree off the rip. I think Colin Smith has the most potential right away. You know, right away seeing the floor. I think he has the most potential. But it's also I'm also interested to see where's Lee Dort at in his development. You know, his freshman year you know how much development does he need how much bulking up does he need how much getting in shape does he need you know i'm i'm really interested to see that now you know for all these guys i am how how college ready are they but for lee dort you look at a, a guy a post player like him that's what you look at in a post player you know what's what's you know what's his shape like what does he look like running up and down the floor and also his touch around the basket so it's going to be fun. Well, it, 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 I think for the first time. Well, I'm curious to
2: see if he primarily plays the five or if he can also shift over into that four spot. That's what yeah, I don't know about Dort. I don't know if thing. he's stuck behind. Because if he's stuck behind Liam Robbins might be tough. and QMB, and even if they want to play two bigs, I mean, Liam Robbins fully healthy if he can maintain staying healthy, God forbid. I don't even want to start talking about injuries.
0: You just but you if, just jinxed it. But you if literally if just I'm, jinxed. There's no jinxing
2: it. it, man. Like we've done everything. We've we've talked about it. We've not talked about <laughs> I thought, it. I thought the We've ghost acted was like gone, they weren't man. happening. We've acted like knees don't exist, and they still get hurt. Like somebody's getting hurt. Like who's your prediction? Who, who's what?
0: your prediction for getting hurt this year? Should we pull those out? My prediction
2: is a combination <laughs> of Liam Robbins, and then I think that Q&B. one of i don't think q will have injury issues because he's not an explosive athlete and that's where he's i that's think where he, he it's gonna be though. i think it'll be dort is gonna dort or shelby coming off that foot thing will have yeah. something because they've they both i know that shelby had foot uh, surgeries in a boot um but yeah. but he should be good to go everybody should be good to go but inevitably somebody's going to have an injury come up and that's that's just, you just in know a, what's going to
0: Inevitably, I think definitely one of the freshmen is going to get hurt. Like, uh, that, that's a guarantee with, with Vanderbilt basketball. I, I hate saying it, but... The curse I, of I, I think Bryce Drew slash I Kevin
2: Stalling slash whatever. The,
0: the, the ghost is still there. And, you know, I hate being so negative, Will. Usually we're the sunshine pumpers here. But, I mean, this we're just stating facts here. So, uh, we might put uh, kind of an over-under on how many injuries this year. Uh, and then <laughs> how many predict, games uh,
2: missed? by how many how many starters games missed
0: oh, man. Like, oh, man. i mean really it, it's it's something to look at it really it really is because it happens every year i mean how many years is it back to back now we've got since garland it started, 20, it started they, with garland 10, 17. and then the next year was it Smith? that next
2: year Smith. yes the next year it he had the Neesmith foot fracture the, the foot stress fracture that caused him to mess
0: and then the year after that who was it was it It was somebody. Somebody got it. That was the year. Well Liam Robbins. Was it Liam Robbins That was that was was, yeah. I don't know, man. I gotta look back at the years. I'm
2: getting all the disappointing players and or disappointing (laughs) injuries mixed up in my head, all the heartbreak mixed up. All I know is I was there and I'll never I will never forget the play Darius Garland got hurt on. Like I immediately knew it before anyone else even realized he was hurt, I saw him go down. I saw him get up and look at his knee, and I was like, he just tore something, like, immediately. And I will never forget having that thought. And I was... The pessimist in me was unfortunately right. And from then on, I think that broke me just as much as the 2014 Temple game broke me. That broke me initially. And then Darius Garland broke me, and then any ounce of anything that I had left was broken during the ETSU game. And so now I'm just... I'm just ready to go. Let's. Just, I'm just ready for the season. I'm ready to discuss it. If it blows up in our faces, it blows up in our faces. But but let's ride, Billy. I'm ready let's to go ride. for the dog days.
0: The fact that they went 0-18 that year, I mean, that was just salt in the wound. That that was kind yeah. of the, the icing on top of that cake. But the dog days have begun on the door Report, and uh, we're going to continue rolling on uh, probably once a week here for the next – two months um but uh if there's something if there's more to talk about we might go uh two days a week here but will the dog days are here and i'm ready I'm, i'm i'm ready to roll as well uh let's let's go watch the celtics what do you say
2: yeah, uh, I've got to see the, scoreboard. the scoreboard. I'm ready. I'm ready to. I haven't really, honestly. I've been in and out. Like I've had to like focus in and just not look up, so I don't even know what's going on That's right tough. now. That's because tough. otherwise, I just get completely lost in in whatever was going on, and I'm going to sound even dumber than normal. So I don't really have much of that to to, to spare.
0: So It'll there we go. My yeah.
2: vocabulary is finally going out, and I'm beginning to stutter as well.
0: There it is. There you have it. The dog days have begun on the Door (laughs) Report episode 165. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week here on TDR.